All right. Hello, hello, hello. I am your host, JC Kirby, and this is the Blossom Where You Bleed podcast. Um, I want to welcome any and all new listeners as this is the first episode, so I would imagine you're new. Kind of have to be. <laughs> um, and this podcast is going to focus on um, eating disorders, disordered eating, body image, and uh, a lot of other mental health topics such as depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, um, and plenty of curse words in between. So for whoever is listening, um, you have been warned that there are trigger warnings if you are in recovery or actively seeking recovery. Um, I just want to let you know first and foremost. And um, a little bit about me. I am a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, a life coach, a published author, and someone that really does their best to be a mental health advocate for all of the topics I have just listed. Um, I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. Um, so forewarned, <clears throat> this this entire podcast focusing on mental health and health and wellness is has, in, has a lot to do with my own journey, what I have learned um, throughout my own therapy, throughout my own eating disorder recovery. Um, and I just, I want to be able to share pieces of myself with you because I think that is one of the beauties of life is when you share yourself with other people, other people in, in turn get to share themselves with you and that's how we grow. <clears throat> and within this podcast, starting every episode, I am going to be um, reciting a piece of poetry that I have written. Um, I am a big proponent, as, as stated, I have a published book of poetry titled To My Eating Disorder on Amazon, um, and I'm a, I am a big proponent of writing, poetry in general especially. Um, I find that it helps within my own recovery, so I want to be able to share that with the guests and the audiences as well. Um, so, without further ado, this very first piece of poetry, which <clears throat> took me more than it probably should have to find a a piece of, of poetry in my long-winded list of journals and Google Docs, um, but this first poem I find fairly fitting is titled Recovery Is, and it goes, Recovery is beautiful. Recovery is daunting. Recovery is rewarding. Recovery is haunting. Recovery is thoughts overwhelming. Recovery is self-fulfillment. Recovery is numbly frustrating. Recovery is breathtakingly brilliant. Recovery is unearthing meaning to your name. Recovery is forgetting over and over who you are. Recovery is defining your own path forward. Recovery is bleeding over and over from the same scar. Recovery is slipping on mountain's rocky, sludge-filled edge. Recovery is ascending heavenly heights you swore could only be reached by the gods. Recovery is falling from Earth's face, plummeting into toiled depths. Recovery is dusting yourself from relapses soot and climbing forth, turning with fortitude the odds. And again, that is a piece of my own poetry titled Recovery Is. And... <clears throat> Uh, as, like I said, I just I wanted to be able to share, um, and I want to continue to be able to share pieces of myself through my writing, through my poetry, um, just within this podcast and within the world itself. Because again, I think when we get to share pieces of ourselves, it's it's one of the most intrinsically beautiful things that you can do in life. Because in turn, you allow yourself to actualize exactly who you want to be and who you are. And <clears throat> so, diving right in. Again, I am JC. Um, I'm a personal trainer, nutrition coach, life coach, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Um, I was born and raised in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. 
Um, for those that don't know, that is the deer-looking thing um, up above the mitten portion of Michigan. Um, and I was I was raised in a very very small town that was a pretty tight knit community. Um, unfortunately, it did not have a lot of resources for mental health, um, and I found myself struggling from said mental health fairly early on in life. Um, as early as second or third grade, I found myself um, comparing my body and body image to the other kids around me in class in school, just kind of in the world. Um, I was, <clears throat> I came out late. I was born two weeks late. I was born, oh, let's see, like 11 pounds. I was a large fleshed baby, okay? Uh, and that uh, that baby fat carried with me um, for a lot of my life, probably, probably too long. But, um, you know, first, second grade, I was a bigger bone, bigger fleshed um, human. I come from a long line of Finnish and Irish uh, farmers and manual laborers so I'm just naturally predisposed to be a little bit bigger and <clears throat> I found myself um, in that very same spot when I was younger and that is when the very first as young as six seven years old it was when the very first seedlings and inklings of um, problems that would then further come to fruition later in my life um, started to really plant themselves and I would just always always compare myself to the other kids in the class and around me and I just noticed huh I'm kind of bigger than other kids and it makes me feel a little uncomfortable um, but I didn't you're a kid you don't have the tools yet to kind of process that so I just I lived with it I kind of festered in it and then around fifth grade um, is when I started to actively and consciously go oh hey wait a minute I kind of like girls I want a girlfriend uh, and unfortunately um, that was not an option for me because of my body image and my insecurities. And again, I'm in fifth grade. Calm down, JC. <laughs> um, so from that point, as, as young as fifth grade, I began to exercise and diet uh, with the purposeful intent of losing weight and changing my body. And if I can just put a quick pin, um, that is something I work with all of my current clients on in this day and age is that you should truly 99% of the time work out and exercise for health and wellness and your just overall well-being first and foremost and if you do that generally the aesthetics and the body image portion will follow but if you start and you come at exercise and nutrition in a way of I want to change my body and that is what's going to quote-unquote fix me that is a very hazardous and potentially dangerous road that you can slip down. And um, as early as fifth grade, I started to quickly slip down that road by over-exercising and um, not respecting rest days because unfortunately, um, the fitness industry is a big proponent of the grind set mentality. Just fucking do it until you die. It doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? Don't be a fucking pussy. And when you come at your fitness and your health like that, um, it's not going to lead to very sustainable results. Um, so I was exercising, I was lifting weights, I was doing both, and I was also playing sports, um, football, basketball, baseball, tennis. I was also a child. So, you know, I'm doing child activities. I'm biking with friends. I'm going out. I'm constantly moving, not giving my body any chance to rest and recover. 
and um, from there, <clears throat> that was kind of the precipice of of just a lifelong journey of my health and uh, or lack thereof, if you will. And in middle school, it was very much the same. I I was a big proponent of compulsive movement, feeling like I had to move, and not really knowing when to rest, if I should rest. I just flat out thought, I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to do it. Should I have done it? Probably. Uh, did I do it? No. Uh, did that lead to further problems? Of course it did. Um, so anyone out there listening, please take your rest days. Like I tell all of my clients, take your rest days. Don't feel guilt. Think of it as a way for your body to continue its growth and to build muscle, to burn fat, to, to recover and grow and heal. Um, that is the whole purpose of rest days. And in middle school and later on in life, that was a concept that was completely and utterly lost on me. And um, throughout, high, throughout middle school, um, like I said, continued to kind of develop further eating habits and, and compulsive movement. Um, and then in high school, um, in ninth grade, is when my binge eating disorder started to, uh, when it really kind of took place and took origin and took root in my in my soul, if you will. Um, I quickly gained a lot of weight. I jumped from a normal, healthy 180 pounds in freshman year, like I said, thick Irish and Finnish farmers. Um, so I jumped from about 180 pounds very, very quickly to about 230 pounds. And then within that, within another year, I was, I had hit and topped the scales over 300 pounds. And um, the thing with eating disorders, which a lot of people, um, because it's very taboo to talk about, people don't really understand what an eating disorder is. And again, I'm not a medical professional. I am not someone that can concisely give you the answer. But from personal experience, an eating disorder is this voice that sits in the back of your brain. And it works incessantly to do nothing but control you and to isolate you from the world. Because when it does that, all you have left is that voice. And if you give into that voice, it has you and it owns you and it keeps you locked away from, from living. Um, and that's exactly what happened in my freshman year as I started to develop um, my binge eating disorder <clears throat> as a result of learned behaviors from childhood, um, just a lack of tools to properly cope with emotional stressors in life. And from there, I, I delved even deeper and deeper into those coping habits into those coping habits excuse me or lack thereof and um, I also struggled with uh, comments from other people about my body image and how it was changing and um, so here's your PSA to anyone anyone still listening don't bully don't talk about people's body image don't fucking do it if you think about doing it how about this how about dare I say dare I argue just fucking don't um, <laughs> because one small comment about somebody's body image can lead to a host of issues later down the line or even in that moment that you don't realize that one quote-unquote small comment is creating in that other person's psyche you just don't do it be a kind person um, and from there from those comments um, it further isolated me from who I wanted to be and who I and who I was um, and and then I struggled with uh, some health health concerns, health issues um, in that same year. Um, and that just further pushed me away and isolated me. And I lost a lot of friends during that time. Um, and it, it was a very, very hard time. 
and to the to the accomplishment and benefit um, if if that's the right even phrase but to the benefit of my eating disorder to its own benefit not mine it had me to itself for a very long while um, all throughout high school really and I again struggled severely with my weight with obesity with just not knowing how to properly cope or how to properly even live um, I found myself isolating myself from friends from family um, you know saying to friends if they wanted to hang out on a Friday Saturday night like oh no I can't sorry I'm busy I have this other engagement that other engagement was lying in my bed eating 15,000 calories while watching TV shows that was the only engagement I had um, and at the time and even still it's something I have to actively work through and remind myself of that's not an engagement what that is is a destructive tendency and there is a vast difference between constructive and destructive tendencies and coping habits and unfortunately a lot of people don't ever develop or learn constructive coping habits um, so they drink they eat they smoke um, they yell they scream they <clears throat> they doom scroll on social media and that's just not a way to ever actualize the person that you want to become because when you do that all you're doing is taking away the time that you could be investing in yourself and by just breathing and living in the moment um, <clears throat> and that is what I found myself not doing in high school was just not living in the moment not living I was I was actively taking part in these vices um, and that carried with me um, until senior year where um, it was it was one of very many fad diets uh, fad diet meaning something that is very quick with a false and empty promise and I, I found myself taking part in a fad diet as I had many times and have many times in my life um, it just so happened that this fad diet in particular kind of stuck and I was able to lose quite a bit of weight before gradu graduation and it was kind of during that time where the idea of a career in fitness actually kind of took hold of me um, and I went oh maybe I could do this knowing full well that I was not in a place to do that uh, and I graduated high school and then I moved downstate to the greater Detroit area where I attended college originally for paramedic uh, firefighter program for the paramedic firefighter program and uh, it was at that time in 2017 I just kind of fell accidentally and when I say fell accidentally I almost entirely truthful and verbatim and exact um, I just fell into a personal training job and I it was in those moments when I in the first couple of weeks at least of that job where I went oh holy shit I could do this I really enjoy this um, and then from there that only further exacerbated my exercise and uh, I lost another 30 40 pounds within just uh, just over a month it was excessive exercise um, combined with severely low calories and it, it led me to losing a lot of weight very quickly and at the time again I thought oh my god look at how far I've come I went from 300 pounds now I'm at 220 230 pounds I feel like fucking shit because I'm restricting my calories but that voice inside of me kind of feels great it feels really good knowing that I can almost almost make out the outline of my abs what if I lose another 30 40 pounds and as is with fad diets and over exercise 
um, your body eventually gets to a point where it goes, no, no, hold the fucking phone. I don't think so. And you have this rebounded weight. Um, so the first six months of living downstate is what I experienced while I was personal training was just this aggressive rebound back and forth of fluctuating between 220 pounds to 245 and back and forth like a ping pong um, with my body going, please fucking stop and do this sustainably. And that voice inside my head going, I don't fucking think so. Let's keep eating 500 calories a day and working out five, six, seven hours a day, every day, seven days a week. <laughs> and I just, I started to, again, as, as is the whole overarching theme of my late adolescence and early 20s, I was just living in the cyclical nature of over-exercise, under-eating, over-eating, under-exercising, under under-living, under-doing everything else other than sitting in my fucking bed, watching shows and eating food, and um, that lasted for quite a long time, for several years, um, and it was in that time when I was working as a personal trainer, as still am, but I was working in a different position. I was coaching kickboxing and working with a lot of clients, so I had an overtly physical job. And that is when my bulimia through exercise uh, actually took place and took hold of me, as well as my binge eating disorder. Um, so, so now, um, at the point in my life, 2019, I'm 19, almost 20 years old, um, somewhere in the middle and I have not one but now two eating disorders I don't want to brag not a competition I don't want to brag but I have two uh, and from that point um, I now I was then at least I was then um, competing with myself on the weekends to see how much food I could eat and call and labeling them cheat days when they were just overt relapses um, and eating 15 to 20,000 calories and stopping at four different fast food joints all in one go around going to mcdonald's burger king arby's wendy's all in just stop 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 spending and when i say this it's not hyperbole this is again exact spending over a hundred dollars at each location and then also going to uh, any any store that has any donuts and ice cream and getting two three four pints of ice cream a 12 pack of donuts some chips and then sitting down in my room, knowing full well that I almost certainly was going to call off of work um, come Monday, probably Tuesday. And then spending that entire Saturday just gourmandizing on that food and wasting my health and wasting my, my life, truly, um, just within the capacity and within the hold of my eating disorder. And I would, I would take that whole day within an eight-hour period and eat 20,000 plus calories. And then the next day I would wake up having slept 14 hours because my body is going, holy fucking shit, please stop. We are gonna pop like a pinata and all of our insecurities that we never dealt with are gonna come spilling out of us. And I would then come Monday, come Tuesday when I am 25 pounds heavier than I was four days before because I I have so much water retention within my body from all of the salt and sodium that I, that I would spend another three to four days completely water fasting, drinking and eating nothing but water and exercising three to four times a day 
and sitting in a sauna. When I say sauna, people from the Upper Peninsula, or Finland, where they originate from, will know that I'm saying that correctly. Quick pin. Everybody else will go, JC, it's pronounced sauna. No, it's not. It's sauna. Do your research. Anyway, I would sit in the sauna for an hour at a time, continuing to work out after having hit the heavy bag, having sparred, um, and just continuing to work out and move and compulsively move, feeling like I had to, and if I, if I didn't stop, one, I would lose any any self-worth I believed myself to have. I thought, that's going to go away. That'll be gone. If I don't fucking move, if I don't do push-ups in the sauna, if I don't do squats, if I don't feel like I'm about to pass out, if I'm not dizzy, then what the fuck am I doing? If I don't leave this gym feeling like my entire body might cramp, what am I doing? And that was a, again, a cyclical nature that I experienced for a couple a couple of years in that I would just have these large binge eating fests and then these massive depressive episodes where once I wrung out as much dopamine and serotonin as I could from binge eating, I would have a week-long span of just a massive depress depressive episode where not for the first time in my life, I experienced it a lot in high school. Um, and then I found it kind of rescinded a little bit when I graduated and about a year after, um, in about 2018, when I was deep in the throes of my eating disorder, I, I experienced, again, for a second time in my life, suicidal ideation. And what that is, is just a, a want to disappear, a want to not be a part of reality or life anymore. And it would routinely happen after I would binge eat and just suck myself dry of any sort of, again, dopamine or happy feeling response. And I remember one moment specifically, um, I was in the middle of a relapse. <clears throat> I had called off of work for over a week, um, quote unquote, having the flu. Um, sorry to my manager if they're listening. <laughs> and it was the middle, a middle of a raging winter in Michigan. And I, I went for a walk out in the blinding blizzard of snow because it was on that, it was on that sixth day where I went, I, I hadn't left my room outside of going to get more food. I had not left my room and I had to piss and shit and vomit when I was over full only to get back to my room and, and eat again. And it was on that sixth day where I went, if I don't leave this house and, and do something, I, I'm going to do something very drastic to myself that I know I'm going to regret, but because I do not want to be in this situation so severely, I don't care. And so I got up and I randomly had a package. I had the delivered a UPS to, to get it in the mail. And I, I walked my ass three miles in a blizzard to that UPS store. And I walked my ass three miles back in, in just these blinding conditions with the snow whipping at my face with the, the fucking cold biting at my skin. And to this day, even in that moment, I, I look back on it as, as I do a lot of my experiences, I look back on it as joyous because in that moment, was it joyous? Fuck no. I wanted to kill myself. But afterwards, once, once I have dug myself and had dug myself out of those trenches, I can look back on those moments just like I can with my writing and other experiences as joyous because it's led me to where I am now. It has led me to a plane where I no longer have to feel like I have to go out with my sword and my shield every fucking day and fight. I can now sit here and understand that one of the strongest things and one of the best things you can do for and with yourself is to just be gentle with yourself. Because when you're gentle and when you understand 
And when you just accept yourself, that is the whole point of this podcast is you get to blossom where you bleed. You get to grow and, and come to fruition where you have fallen before. And it was in those moments, um, like in the blizzard on that sixth day, that is one of the many, one of the several reasons at least why I am still here now producing this podcast for whoever is listening. Um, and there was another moment, um, several months later, again, deep in the throes, where I was now on the polar opposite end of the spectrum as I was prone to do, just flipping back and forth with my bulimia through exercise. And I was seven days, seven a week, not even a business week, a whole fucking week into a water fast. And every single day during that fast, I had worked out extensively. I had I had still worked as a kickboxing coach, working with clients, holding pads, hitting the heavy bag. And I, every single day I would wake up and I went, I'm going to water fast. I am going to, I'm going to do this because again, this is going to improve my worth. The more muscles of my abdomen that I can see, that means that I am just all that more worthy and I have all that more worth to offer society, which again, complete fucking bullshit. If anyone had any inkling of oh maybe that's true it's not it's not it's complete fucking bullshit it's that voice in the back of your mind going hey you need to do this no you don't don't do this ever um i was again um, i started water fasting and i uh i decided to go for seven days and on the i believe ironically it was again on the sixth day um i woke up and initially I felt those tingles. If anyone has ever had a muscle cramp, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a tingle, a small little a small little starlight of of spasm in my right quad, top of the leg. And I went, Oh fuck, here it comes. It woke me up from sleep at about five in the morning. And I went, shit, shit, shit. I tried to angle myself. I couldn't. My thigh started to cramp. Um, I got up out of bed. And then sure as fucking shit, because I had nothing in my body, my left leg started to cramp. The muscle spasms and cramps were so severe that I, I was going to be sick. So I ran to the bathroom, popped over the toilet, and because I had nothing in my system other than water from the, the six days before, um, I started to dry heave. Nothing came up. And as a result of my dry heaves, because I was so malnourished... <laughs> My, my abdominal muscles started to then spasm and cramp. So I, I now have three, three knots in my abdomen. I have two Charlie horses in my quads. And I, I, again, I swear, not hyperbole, swear to God, whatever is out there, I guess, whatever existence. My, both of my hamstrings in the back of my legs started to cramp. When I tell you, it was, it to this day, was the worst pain I have ever experienced. I, it was... It was terrible. My entire body started to cramp to the point where I am actively dry heaving at five in the morning, trying not to wake up my roommates. And amidst, amidst every dry heave, I'm trying to push back in the knots and hold them down by playing a game of fucking twister and whack-a-mole with my, with my entire body. Um, and I got to the point after about five minutes where I laid on the bathroom floor and... <laughs> I, I just remember thinking in the fetal position, feeling the cold tile under me. Why the fuck am I here? Just 
in this moment, in life, in this existence? What the fuck am I doing? Why am I here? And it was one of, I would like to say thousands, at the very least hundreds of moments that I've experienced in my life where I've had that exact thought of where I'm in a moment of siege and, and strife and battle with myself. I go, what the fuck am I doing here? And a part of me knows that what I'm doing, what I'm taking part in is not okay. It's not healthy. And the other part of me just doesn't give a single fuck because that other part of me is still taking part in those vices. And as long as I'm doing that, it's happy. It's satiated. The other part of me, the what I like to think is, is more of my true self of who I want to be and actualize, knows that it's wrong. And um, from that moment forward, I would like to say, as I laid there on the bathroom floor, that was like, that was my rock bottom. It wasn't. As is with, as is with life, we experience many rock bottoms. And so from that point, I continued on my journey. I continued the cyclical nature of ping-ponging. Um, and it, it truly wasn't until I met my now wife, Chloe, um, that and I started dating her. We started dating each other, however you want to label it, uh, that I realized that how bad of a spot that I was in. And that was in 2000, late 2018 when we really started dating. And I know timetables are getting mixed around here. Um, but it wasn't until her and I really got together that I started to notice all of my, all of these habits that I was doing. I couldn't just label them or excuse them as, oh no, I'm doing this for my health. I wasn't. Um, and she herself, having had an eating disorder and was further along in her recovery journey than I was, was able to kind of pinpoint a lot of those ticks that I had, um, i.e. trying to ghost and trying to disappear a a week, two weeks into talking because I was in the middle of a relapse, binge eating and over-exercising. Um, <clears throat> and it, it's because of her in a lot of ways that I, again, I'm still here today. Um, she is one of the biggest proponents in why I still have a life and why I still, why I still am alive. And I owe, I owe my existence of who I am right now in large part to her. Um, did that stop me from continuing to overexercise and binge eat? No, of course it didn't because I'm a stubborn fuck. But it at least allowed me to start to see um, a lot of the the exacerbations that I had. Um, that being said, though, as hypocritical as it may sound, um, about six, seven months into dating, I was still having severe body dysmorphia and body image issues. Body dysmorphia being I could look in a mirror and even though my my the objective reality of what I look like <clears throat> is completely different. My perspective and subjective reality is is so far in the other direction, I might as well be back at 300 pounds again. Um, even though I, at this point, I weigh 200 pounds, am deep into physical exercise, and <laughs> have been boxing for years now, it's, it's still, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, and because of that, and because of feeling like I needed to keep up an aesthetic image, <clears throat> that led me into severe overtraining syndrome, which is why I am such a big proponent with my clients of taking rest days. Because when you don't, and you continue to overexercise, you can royally fuck up your body, both physically, physiologically, mentally, spiritually, dare I say. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I was going seven days a week, 
to the gym. I was boxing for hours a day, several times a day. I was weight training several times a day. And at a certain point, your body is like an elastic. It's like a, it's like a rubber band. It has a lot of bandwidth and it has a lot of stretch and elasticity. But at a certain point, you stretch that fucker far enough, it's going to break. And I just happened to fucking break. And I dealt with months of overtraining syndrome, of, <clears throat> of muscle spasms, cramps, depression, severe depression, severe suicidal ideation, um, severe anxiety, panic attacks, um, as far as derealization and depersonalization where I didn't know where the fuck I was, who the fuck I was. I did, but at the same time, it, reality was distorted and it felt so far removed. And that was when, that was that moment in those moments those months of having to actually step back from personal training and having to step back from exercise and focus on my recovery is when i started recovery meaning physical health and eating disorder health is when i started to really notice improvements in in just actualizing the person that i wanted to be because for most of my life i had an idea of who i wanted to be i had goals i wanted to publish a book i wanted to be a successful trainer um, I wanted to one day be a husband and a father. And at this point in my life, outside of being a father, which a couple of years down the line, everything else I have accomplished. I have published a book. I am working on several more. I have been training for years now. I have a wife that is the love of my life. And so I always had an inkling of who I wanted to be, this source in my chest. I just didn't know how the fuck to get there because I was so lost within myself. I was in such a heated battle with this metaphorical wolf and black cloak reaper within me that I perceived it to be this other entity inside of me, almost like a demon possessing me. And I went to battle every fucking day thinking that that is what I needed to do to produce who I wanted to be. Come to find out, who would have fucking thought? That's not what you do. You don't have to try to kill yourself every single day going out to battle in in the words of a Taoist philosopher you just have to surrender surrender to the moment surrender to who you are accept who you are and that doesn't mean those anecdotes those don't mean that when you surrender and you accept who you are in that moment that doesn't mean you never have to change that all that does is it allows you to stop pushing and pulling with yourself in that moment and when you do that you allow yourself to take a step forward. And as long as you can take that next step forward, you are you are golden. It is when we get so heated with ourselves and we are so caught in contention and we don't move. And then we don't get stuck in the past, but we get stuck in who we are. And that might as well be the past because if you get stuck in the past and if you get stuck in who you are without moving forward, you might as well be dead. It's And I know that's an extreme way of saying it, but at the same time, it's it holds a lot of truth. You have to keep moving forward. And it took it took sliding down this mountainous slope time and time and time again, being buried under under snow and rubble and ruin for me to finally understand that there were other paths I could take. I didn't have to keep trying to chop down a mountain. I could just simply go up it. I could climb it. Um, just one foot in front of the other, try, rather than leaping. And that is exactly what I started to do. In mid-2020, um, I started to really focus on my recovery. I got into stretching. Um, I got into yoga. 
And I know I know the hippie trippy uh, fucking just breathe yoga, but it holds a lot of truth. I focused a lot of my breathing. And again, that allowed me in and of itself in a very early stage to just be in the moment and to to just allow myself to accept who I was. So who, whoever is listening, please just accept yourself. Just surrender to who you are. And from that moment, you are able to take as many steps forward as you want. Um, and and that is that is a, a huge point of growth and recovery. And um, from there, from 2021, I believe, is when I started to actually receive therapy for the first time in my life. Outside of my parents' divorce, but that was a quick stint. I told my I told that therapist I had diarrhea, and he was like, oh, "Fuck, okay, kid, leave my office, please." So I started to actually receive eating disorder centered mm-hmm. therapy, um, and I still am with the same therapist. And it is by far one of the greatest decisions I have ever made. Um, after having several talks with my my wife Chloe about it, um, she urged me to finally reach out and get it, and I did. And this isn't an uh, advocacy or this isn't a um, an urge for everyone to get therapy. I understand that it's not for everyone. I understand that some people may not be in the place or in a place ready enough to receive therapy. Um, I am just saying that for myself and for many other people that I know, therapy is a, is a large swath of help and resource that gives you a non-biased opinion. And they're there to just listen and give you tools. Um, and it's through therapy that I've developed a lot of the coping tools that I have now and have been able to hone and sharpen them um, for when I'm still in moments of urging, urges, wanting to lapse, relapse, binge eat, compulsive move. I now have I now have a more highlighted, clearer view, clarity, if you will, of what I should do in those moments. Um, and then from therapy, too, it really motivated me to um, along with a creative writing class that I had in college before I dropped out a second time, don't want to brag, uh, it it urged me and it motivated me to continue and to really consistently take my writing seriously because I learned in therapy and through my college course, even though I have always been a fan of writing and, and been a huge proponent of it because of my eating disorder and because of just not being consistent with myself, there would be so many times in my life where I would pick it up, I'd leave it, I'd pick it up, I'd leave it. And ironically, it was a quote that I read in a book titled Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldberg um, in my college class, where she says, um, writing will always be there for you. It, it doesn't matter how long you leave it, it'll always be there. You might have some rust and you might have to shake it off, but it'll come back. That quote alone, after having dropped it so many fucking times in my life, just where I was in that moment in time in my life, it meshed so well with how I perceived my own recovery and that I had left it and I had dropped it so many times, hundreds of times. And it was still there always for me to pick back up when I was ready. Sure, it might have some rust. I might have some ring rust. But at the end of the day, it is always there for you. And writing allowed me to actualize um, a lot of my own recovery and, and help with my coping habits and coping mechanisms and so from that, I wanted to be able to share with other people and to share with the world. So I put together a lot of pieces of poetry I had already written combined with a lot of pieces that I, I wrote while in, in, in those moments. Um, t- again, the book is titled To My Eating Disorder, and it's 
it's split in two parts. The first part is my journey to recovery, which is everything, a lot of the things that we've covered here, plus more. The second half is all about my recovery, and it it touches on <clears throat> a lot of the pieces that I am now able to talk about here on this podcast and just in my other social medias um, in that there's a lot of times where when you are learning how to blossom or you bleed and have bled, it feels like you are just slicing at the wolf in your mind with, with your sword. And that sword being the very few basic coping mechanisms and habits that you have, whether it be going out for a walk, playing video games, writing. And every single day, at a certain point, it's going to break. That sword, if you swing it and you bash it enough times, it's going to break. And it's not always going to be there, just like willpower. And <clears throat> where I am now, I having honed and sharpened those coping mechanisms, I now understand that I don't have to go out every day and and do battle with myself. Again, I can accept myself, I can accept the moment for where it is, and from there I can take a step forward. That step might be literally going for a walk, it might be sitting down to write, and if both fail, I have 20 other coping habits, whether it be playing video games, scrolling on social media, funnily enough, your coping habits and what you do to help you are for you. Whatever you enjoy doing, knitting, crocheting, swimming, going for a walk, biking, writing, reading, whatever you have to do, again, to make sure you're doing exactly what you need to ensure you're becoming the version of yourself that you want, that is a whole point of recovery. Recovery, going all the way back to the beginning, recovery is a journey that looks different for everybody, but there are a lot of tools that can be shared by everybody. Um, as is with growth, as is with overcoming any sort of daunting task, understanding that the wolf in the brain isn't just a wolf, it's it's your childhood that you never recovered from. It's pieces of your life that you didn't know would stick and claw and bite you the way that they did and leave the marks that they did. But once you start to uncover why you have the scars that you do, you can start to really uncover who you are deep down beyond that. Um, and I think with that last statement, as long as that makes sense and wasn't just an incoherent fucking ramble, that is where I'll leave off this week's episode. Um, again, I just want to thank everybody and anybody who has given this a chance, who has continued and is continuing to listen to this. Um, I'll wrap this up. Um, again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm just someone who has dealt with a binge eating disorder and bulimia through exercise along with a swath of other mental health issues in his life. And I'm just, I just want to share this and share a piece of myself. Um, so the plan is bi-weekly or once a month episodes where again, I will open the episodes with a piece of poetry that I have written and that is what the episode will be based on. Um, so with that, I bid you adieu and I thank you so, so much for listening. I will see you next time.